0: Are you looking for strategies to build passive income? In this episode, I'll answer a listener's question on how to generate passive income, both short-term and long-term. I'll share some strategies for generating passive income, but also why it's important to think beyond just income investing. What do I mean by this? Well, let's get to it. First off, shout out to John for suggesting this topic, ask and you shall receive. He posed the question, what are strategies for building passive income, short-term and long-term? I love this question because there are so many directions to go with it, but I'm going to focus on three buckets. Alternatives, such as real estate and private credit, fixed income, and equities. Depending on your goals, time horizon, liquidity needs, and risk tolerance, Any of these may work for a yield-focused investor. Now, I have to say this up front, passive income comes from earning income first. You have to have the income or money to put to work. TikTok, Instagram, all the social media is overwrought with get-rich-quick schemes on passive income investing. No clickbait, no BS here. All right, let's start with alternative investments. Right off the bat, real estate comes to mind for most people thinking about passive income, and for good reason. It can be a great addition to an already diversified portfolio, and it's both income and capital appreciation oriented. Within real estate, there are a lot of directions you can go. An easy entry point can be a real estate investment trust, or REIT, They trade like stocks on the major exchanges, making them a liquid investment that can work both in the short-term and long-term. In most cases, REITs own or operate income-producing real estate such as offices, retail, residential, etc., or real estate-related products such as a mortgage. So how much income are we talking here? Well, REITs are required to pay 90% of annual taxable income to shareholders often making their dividends higher than equities in many fixed income investments. See this chart from JP Morgan detailing yield by asset type. U.S. real estate has a yield of 3.7% as of June 30th, 2022, global REITs 3.6%, the U.S. 10-year treasury 3.1%, and U.S. equity at the end with 1.5%, those last three all as of August 31st, 2022. Beyond REITs, private real estate can offer similar income potential. Private real estate has consistently distributed income of at least 4% over 18 of the last 20 years, and never below 2%, according to the National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries. That's a mouthful. What's more, private real estate has shown 71% less volatility than publicly traded REITs over the 25-year period ending September 30th, 2022. Sounds great, I know. So what's the downside? Well, private real estate often comes with larger investment minimums and less liquidity than a publicly traded REIT. When thinking about short and long-term options, private falls on the longer end due to its less liquid nature. Now, I get this question a lot. What about owning individual properties such as rental homes? In our experience, clients who manage one to two properties don't see great returns, primarily due to lack of scale. Those that do it best have economies of scale, think 30 plus rentals. So if a roof needs replaced or an air conditioner goes out, the cost can be spread over multiple units. So considerations with owning rentals or other real estate. Evaluate your returns after all expenses are paid. Think property taxes, insurance, operations, maintenance costs. Comparing to equities historically earning 7 to 8% over time, you need to target at least 8% and arguably higher given the lack of liquidity in the real estate market. Sticking on the alternative side, you might have caught direct lending as one of the investments with a high yield on that same JP Morgan chart. Let's discuss. Direct lending, or private credit, represented by the Cliffwater Direct Lending Index, has a whopping 8.7% yield. According to the same Cliffwater Index and Morningstar data, relative to traditional fixed income, private credit has delivered better historical risk adjusted returns over 15 years as of June 30th, 2022. So what exactly is direct lending or private credit? Well, they're pools of actively managed capital that invest primarily in loans to private companies. Why such a high yield? Well, private borrowers are willing to pay higher rates because they need liquidity and may not be able to get bank loans. As with private real estate, private credit often comes with higher investment minimums and less liquidity and may not be right for every investor. Alright, let's get to our second category for income-focused investors. Fixed income. Surprising, I know. Traditional fixed income such as corporate bonds, municipal bonds, and treasuries have been less than exciting over the past few years. But in light of the Fed raising interest rates, yields have picked up and fixed income doesn't look half bad. I won't spend too much time going over fixed income, but here's a great summary chart of the coupons or interest income paid on a bond of the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index over time. Bond returns are mostly composed of coupon return and changes in prices. Coupon returns are always positive and historically have provided a buffer from falling prices, as shown. Bonds range from short to long term so they can fit either time horizon. Last but not least, don't rule out dividend paying stocks as an option to bump up your passive income. Dividend payers tend to be big, well-established companies that have an abundance of cash. Generally speaking, you want to find companies that pay steady dividends, but also increase them over time. This table by Ned Davis Research shows that companies within the S&P 500 that grew or initiated dividends have higher annualized returns and lower volatility compared to those that maintain dividends cut their payouts, or offered none at all. Phew, okay, that was a lot of info, and if you made it this far, thanks for bearing with me. There are so many directions to go when thinking about income investing, but those three categories, alternatives, fixed income, and dividend-paying stocks can be a good starting point. Now, I teased this at the beginning, but I don't necessarily think income investing is the end-all be-all of investing. Hear me out on my next episode where I'll get into the details of total return investing. Is it a superior investing approach? Well, I'll let you decide. Stay tuned and thanks for joining.